it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Here's Jota. Over the top for Luis. Jota's made the run to the back post. And the header is in! Sadio Mane! Liverpool continue the chase on all fronts. Mane is the main man as they grab the points at Aston Villa. That as the Reds now look to add a second trophy to the cabinet as they make another visit to Anfield South in the FA Cup final this time. I'm Steve Hothersall, this is The Red Agenda with Kiever O'Neill and writer Chris McLaughlin. Don't forget, if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read all the articles on Liverpool, everything else on the site. Head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. There's a special price, just a pound a month for six months at the moment. That's theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. Let's go straight to uh, to Sadio Mane and his influence on this Liverpool team, especially Kiever in the second half of this season. He's, he's never been underappreciated, uh, but right now the fans are appreciating his, um, his input more than ever because this second half of the season he's been terrific and it's heightened that conversation about what's going to happen with his future. And rightly so, yeah. I think we're running out of superlatives for him, aren't we, at the moment? He's obviously... You know, won AFCON with Senegal and then qualified for the World Cup, was the hero in, in both of those crucial games. And, you know, he's come back to Liverpool determined to get his hands on all the trophies. And, you know, his form has just been outstanding in recent weeks, scored some really important goals for Liverpool, had displays like Wembley, which I think, you know, hang it in the Louvre because it was just, you know, Liverpool are going to Paris, aren't they? And, you know, that was one of the performances of the season, just absolutely beautiful from Sadio Mane. And, you know, that's the moment when it sort of, he'd clinched that form that we, we know and love to see from him. And yeah, he's just gone on from there, hasn't he? Obviously, you know, the league might look just out of Liverpool's grasp. You never know what might happen on the last day or, you know, the, the last couple of games. But, you know, Mane's been one of the players to have, you know, helped Liverpool fight fight back and, and get to a place where they might be, you know, um, still in a position to win the league on the last day. And he's been crucial to Liverpool and, and will be in the, the last few games. And obviously that FA Cup final and then the Champions League final as well. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting because there's been a lot of talk, obviously, of Mohamed Salah's future and less so about Sadio Mane. So maybe it's nice that, you know, we're now talking a little bit about him as well in, in that way because maybe he's been, you know, spoken about less so and, you know, he's as crucial as, as Salah um, and has shown that. He shouldn't be talked about in any sort of less way, should he? And as soon as, you know, links came up around Bayern Munich and the fact that they could be interested in him, Chris, I think most Liverpool fans were like, hang on, the club, get a grip of this one. He's absolutely fundamental to what we're about at the moment. Yeah, I think a lot of people saw Jamie Carragher on on Sky after the the Aston Villa game saying, um, for Liverpool, any thoughts of letting him go? He's not going to let him go. Because he's his favourite player, and he, you know, he's one of the the key players in the in the Klopp era. Who obviously came in a year before Mo as well. And I think 
since the AFCON, since he come back from that, his form has gone up a level, and I think that's partly because he won the African Cup of Nations. I think you know Senegal had never won it, so there was a huge pressure on him being the key player to perform. He did. He scored the winning penalty. Obviously, it wasn't good for Mo because Egypt were on the losing side, so one Liverpool player had to had to come back from that disappointed. But on the World Cup qualifier as well, Senegal progressed as well. And who's the hero with the winning penalty in the shootout? Sadio Mane. So the confidence you must take from firing your country to a first ever African Cup of Nations trophy, to firing them to the World Cup, must be huge. And the, the pressure on him to perform has been has been lifted off his shoulders. And I think we're reaping the, the benefits of that now. And he, he's come back into a team that also has Luis Diaz, who he plays alongside really well. The combination plays good. Sadio's obviously gone into into the middle a lot more, playing in that that central role. And you only have to look at Liverpool's winning goal against Villa the other night. Diaz crosses, Mane header, Liverpool win the game. That that combination is something something that's going to help Liverpool in the, in the last few games, in my opinion, at Wembley at the weekend and also in Paris. Give us a word for that for that goal. It was almost nonchalant. What, what, what do you reckon, Kiva? How would you describe that headed goal? Ridiculously good. Yeah, I think the cross as well was just when you watch it back. It sort of doesn't make sense that the, that move sort of connected and, and was a goal. And he was due one, wasn't he, all night trying to score. You thought if a, something was going to come, it was going to come from Mane, and it did. And I feel like we might go towards the end of the season and looking at him as the player to, you know, have those big impacts on games because the whole night at Villa Park you were looking thinking right he's the one he's the one who's going to do something tonight you just felt it and it's felt that way for the past few weeks now he just yeah as Carragher said we, you can't let him go can you there was that brilliant bit where afterwards he was being interviewed by Sky and he he could see at the end of the interview his own goal being played on the screen couldn't he and I don't think he's the sort of guy Chris that you you hear that much emotion from he never goes in depth on anything but all of a sudden there was a massive gleaming smile on his face and he sort of went yeah quite quite a good goal that even himself yeah he's you know having interviewed Sadio a couple of times for the for the match day program and, and magazine he's he's just a really humble guy you know he's he's really sort of softly spoken he he doesn't brag he doesn't boast i mean you know when you think what he's kind of achieved since from where he started out in Senegal that's you know, let's not forget he came from Bambali, a really small village where no no footballer had ever been produced from. Ran away from home effectively to 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 follow his to follow his dream and and came to England via French football. So you you could be somebody in that position who becomes arrogant and you know look at me, look what I did when nobody else did that. And he's not like that at all. He's he's the exact opposite. But he, he's a winner. He wants to win. He he did an interview with with Football Focus recently where he basically said you know. I want to win these trophies. I want to win the FA Cup. I want to win the Champions League. I want to win the Premier League. I've already won the the Carabao Cup, and he he is motivated by winning silverware and 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 success. But he's he doesn't necessarily show that in terms of his his personality. That he is a humble guy, and you know he he was genuinely made up to see his goal back on on the telly. And when you know when you scored that many goals for Liverpool, you'd think you'd get a bit bored of that by now, wouldn't you? You'd think you'd maybe get a little bit. Blase, oh yeah, I scored again at Aston Villa. I'm, I'm pretty sure I scored Edward at Aston Villa a few years ago. Here's another one. But no, he, he glancing over the shoulder of the um, the Sky reporter, he, he was he was watching it and just seeing how it went in, and he was made up. Yeah, always been a good header of the ball, hasn't he, Kiva? You know, we've got Jota who perhaps made made headlines with some headers this season, but Sadio throughout his time at Liverpool, 
he's always been someone that, you know, if he gets the chance with a header, he can bury them. Yeah, he scored some cracking headers, hasn't he? And that one is right there among them, I think. Just like I said, it didn't, the cross from Diaz didn't kind of, it was too low. You couldn't have imagined anyone heading that in. And then there he was. And maybe that's why it just caught Villa off guard a little bit. And that's what Liverpool needed, just to catch them. You were wondering where the goal was going to come from. Um, even for Liverpool's dominance at times, though Villa were good themselves going forward. But, you know, it was a crucial game to make sure that, you know, Man City had to go to Wolves and had to put on a show, which obviously they did. So, yeah, I think, you know, another important goal. And, yeah, let the headers keep on coming, I say. Absolutely. James has written a piece. Sadio Mane's new contract should be a priority for Liverpool after keeping the title hopes alive. You can read it on The Athletic now. And in his piece... Um, he's put this stat that that goalkeeper moves him ahead of Ian St. John in the all-time scorers list with 119. And I'll go back to that initial point I made. I don't think we've ever underappreciated him, but have we fully appreciated him? The other stat that I saw is that none of his goals have been penalties. Wow. And that he's, some, I think I read, he's the second highest goal scorer in Liverpool's history without ever scoring a penalty behind Kenny Dalglish, which is... Quite something when when you think about it. Maybe part of the problem Sadio has had in terms of appreciation is that he's been playing in a team where there's so many other players to appreciate. Not just goal scoring with with Mo Salah, but you know we've got arguably the best goalkeeper in the world, definitely the best centre half in the world. We've got Fabinho, an absolute beast in the centre of midfield as a, as a defensive midfielder, and then Bobby Firmino. You know up front, he's he's got his own sort of little cult following really in terms of appreciation of how he plays the game and his personality. So you can't necessarily have every player as your favourite in terms of appreciation. And maybe at times what, what Sadio Mane has done has been overlooked. I know certainly in Africa, a lot of people feel he's been overlooked too often in terms of the conversation for the golden, uh, the Ballon d'Or, the golden, golden ball. And Liverpool fans appreciate players and always will. But you're right, there's almost a contest to, to see who is the most appreciated at Liverpool these days, and that's because there's so many great players. In terms of being appreciated, obviously, you know, we, we can talk and speculate on a new deal, Kiva. We're seeing that Manchester City have signed Erling Haaland. Rumours of £375,000 a week for Haaland. How does this influence or affect any contract for Salah or Mane? Does it change the dynamic with two players that still haven't put pen to paper and found that agreement with Liverpool Football Club? Well, I don't think Liverpool are ever going to be playing wages that high. Uh, you know, that's just not the FSG model, is it? They haven't done that. It's never been never been their way. So, you know, if Salah and Mane probably could go elsewhere and get more wages, potentially, I think that's sort of, you know, going to be an interesting one because obviously they must look and think, well, you know, we're the best in the world. Like, we should be getting paid the best in the world and that'd be, you know, rightly so. You know, with Haaland coming in and being paid whatever he is, that's just sort of, you know, that's what Man City do, isn't it? So it's going to be interesting going into the summer because obviously now you think, you know, signing Haaland, is that just the... They just unlocked, you know, next season's title already, the Champions League. You know, is he the player that will, you know, score the 40 goals that will bring them, you know, all those riches? And, you know, he, he might well be. This might be, you know, the, the game over signing for, for Man City in a way because they've got that, that amazing squad there. You know, you you seen that last night with De Bruyne just absolutely, you know, bossing it as he likes to do. And I think, you know, Liverpool do need to keep hold of Salah and Mane and that'll be, I think 
bigger than any sign they could make this summer would be to, you know, get them on extended deals and, you know, whether that'll happen or not. Obviously, they've both got a year left on the contract. I guess we'll have to wait and see, but it's, you know, we've been waiting and seeing all season, haven't we? And there's been, you know, a lot of chat, particularly, like I mentioned, around Salad and his deal because there's just been a lot more talk. He's talked about, about it a lot more, Mane less so on that front. So it's going to be interesting, but... What can you do really to compete other than you know, sign Kylian Mbappe or something? Do you know what I mean? So Liverpool have you know two world class footballers there, and to think that they might leave in a year's time is you know quietly upsetting, isn't it? I think, but obviously they've got great players there as well, and I think it's going to be an interesting time. Obviously, Jurgen Klopp's extended his deal, and Liverpool fans will feel like that's the most important thing, you know, to have him in place in the long term. And then I guess you see what happens with players like Salad and Mane and even James Milner, who, you know, that's kind of up in the air still, whether he'll stay on for an extra year. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But I don't think it's about necessarily competing with Man City in terms of going out and splashing the cash in, in the way that they more so have done um, in recent years. Obviously, Liverpool have spent money as well, but, you know, fans have had to be patient for the big signings, haven't they? They've had to wait for... Canate and he was the only signing last summer and then obviously you know bring in Luis Diaz because you know Tottenham were maybe about to get him so Liverpool had to act because he was the the man they wanted in the summer so you know fans do have to be a bit bit more patient I guess but it's going to be interesting to see sort of what happens and how Liverpool continue to compete with Man City when you know they make signings like Erlen Haaland. Totally agree with you on the, on the FSG wage structure thing. But I would, I suppose, Chris, I would say, if you're Mo Salah, does it stick in your throat a little bit? I don't know. It depends what your, your ultimate ambition is. Is it to be the richest player in football or is it to, to be a club where you're going to enjoy playing for him and try and win trophies and enjoy the adulation? Of- He's, he already probably is the richest player, isn't he? Given all his extra sort of sponsorship and commercial deals that he's got. You would imagine. You would imagine so. You know, ultimately, agents will always put a price on their players and what they think they're worth, and they will always try and get the best deal for their clients. That's their job. So, the agent's doing his job in that way. Liverpool's job is to get the best deal for Liverpool when it comes when it comes down to money and weighing up whether what you're paying for a player is going to deliver the success and and what that brings with it. And ultimately, that's what every contract negotiation comes down to and it it's up for Liverpool and, and the agent to to sort that. But but when you think about it, you know, if, if Mo Salah was to leave Liverpool, where, where does he go next? Where is bigger and, and better than Liverpool to fulfil your ambitions at the moment? You know, he's not going to go to another English club. So you'd have to go abroad. Does he go to Real Madrid? Well, Kylian Mbappe looks like he could possibly end up there. PSG, maybe. But then everybody said PSG are going to win multiple Champions League when Lionel Messi went there and they play in a fairly similar position. Bayern Munich, but it seems they're linked with Sadio Mane more than Mo Salah. So my my gut feeling is that Mo will end up staying at Liverpool, that they will get a deal done. And he, he spoke not too long ago in an interview saying, ultimately, he would love to be Liverpool's all-time leading scorer to try and beat Ian Rush. You know, that something like that motivates him. He's a numbers guy. He loves seeing the number of goals, he loves seeing his number of, of, of assists he loves seeing where he, he lands in the table in terms of the all time greats, we've even got a piece in the next Liverpool FC magazine which is, is due out next week where he's talking about ex-Liverpool strikers and, and what he thinks of 
Rushi and Robbie Fowler and Torres and Suarez and how he sort of views them. Obviously, it's not in the shops yet, but I'll, I'll re- reveal a little bit that he knows how many goals Michael Owen's got and where Michael Owen is ahead of him in the all-time oh, right. goal-scoring chart. So all this doesn't suggest to me that he's a player who's looking elsewhere. He's a player who's looking at what he can still achieve at Liverpool, in my eyes. And obviously, that, that has to be sorted con- contractually with the club. And I think it will be. And, and I think Jurgen Klopp's sort of so relaxed about it whenever, whenever he's asked about it. I think he thinks the same too. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, let's go to someone else who's really important. Was it Aston Villa? Kiva, you've written about him recently, and that's the keeper, um, Alisson. You've written a piece on on how he is so good one-on-one. And he is the only keeper I know in the Premier League that when it comes to a one-on-one, you almost feel comfortable with the situation. You, I don't know if it was percentage-wise, you'd think 80%. He's going to stop this. Yeah, and I think Liverpool, you know, he's their get-out-of-jail card a lot of the time, isn't he? Because he... Is just there, and you know that right. He's the last line of defence, almost like you know how Liverpool press from the front. Sort of Allison almost is the, the the last man doing that. Almost like you know whenever anyone gets in behind, or you know even I mean it didn't really happen well against Tottenham. Tottenham scored that goal, and he was unable to sort of get out and and prevent it from happening because he is really good in those sort of square ball across the box instances when a lot of goalkeepers just stay on the line like um, I spoke to an expert on this John Harrison and he was saying you know David De Gea in those instances where the situations where the, you know a winger will pass the ball across the box and a, a striker or whoever's there will just you know tap the ball into the net like a player like De Gea will stay on his line and sort of you know be waiting for it where Alisson is you know more proactive and will just sort of wait and you know in case the winger has the shot he'll sort of go towards them but as soon as he senses that the ball's going to be played across he just rushes out pretty much just like a madman towards them to stop it and he's got this amazing technique which you know I didn't even really notice until uh, John Harrison spoke about it with me so um in that piece and you know if you go through the piece it just sort of explains that he's a high he's got a hybrid technique of like a spread and a smother so he kind of does both where most goalkeepers either just do one and he does both so it's a bit you know almost confusing but very Allison and very straightforward as well so you you watched him do it against Danny Ings even though you know Ings might have lost his foot on a little bit there but I still thought Allison got out to him well he sort of you know will rush out put his arms up one of his knees will go down to the side under him so he's sort of like sideways 
and that just prevents the ball from going underneath him. And then he's got his other leg sort of still up to prevent it going, you know, over him perhaps. And obviously his body's there as well and his arms are able to sort of get any touches they can on the ball. But he rushes out that quick. I think he takes strikers and attackers just by surprise. You know, I think they're almost scared in that moment, especially, you know, when he's the, the green machine wearing all green or whatever. And he's just, you know, rushing out towards them. I think it's sort of like, oh, no, where's Alisson? watching other goalkeepers now after you know speaking to John and writing that piece and you know now I'm sort of watching 1v1s completely in a different way and you know big shout out to John because no one's actually got this data you know he set up his own data model he every Sunday night he since 2018 he's you know been collecting the data and watching you know Premier League goalkeepers in every 1v1 and compiling that data to create this data model which you know he allowed us to use and explained it well to me and yeah just Alisson probably the best in Europe probably the best in the world you know that makes up for when Liverpool's high line balls do go in behind or over the top you know he's there to to rush out and thwart attackers and he does it just magnificently really and it's been something that you know we've admired for such a long time but never actually looked into it and you know realized that his technique is this hybrid you know he's sort of you know, made it up himself. And I asked John, why does he do it like this? And it's like, you know, because maybe physically he can't do the sort of spread which goalkeepers would where the, the legs go outwards and they sort of, you know, jump towards the ball. So, you know, he's maybe a bit too big or like not flexible enough to do that. So he's had to adapt, which I love because this Liverpool team is full of players who've just adapted to make themselves better. And Alisson's very much, you know, a part of that and yeah it's just incredible to to know that he's there for when you know Liverpool's defence do sort of uh, get taken on and Alisson just just rushes out but just going through the clips of all of them were insane really because obviously they happen in the game and you're like right he's just a king at that but when you slow them down and you know a lot of these times they should be scoring and Obviously, he makes mistakes as well for, against Everton for Damari Gray. Probably rushed out when he should stay on his line. So sometimes he does, maybe, you know, if he can stop doing that as much. But because I think he made a couple of mistakes against Brentford as well and other teams during the course of the season. But, you know, how many saves has he made, you know, to earn Liverpool points? Quite a lot. Makes it look easy, doesn't it? Really good piece. He does it with alarming regularity. I'd encourage everyone to have a read of that one. Just before we get to the FA Cup final, Chris, um, obviously we still hold out hope that something might happen to Manchester City despite De Bruyne scoring four against Wolves. Look, you never know in the last couple of games. You were saying to me before we started the pod, if they did end level, what would the scenario be? It's unlikely. It's very unlikely, but I thought we'd mention it. It's very unlikely because of the goal difference. But you know, let, let's just let's just imagine that this happens in you know in our world and West Ham beat City and we rack up a load of goals at Southampton like Leicester did a few years back. If the two teams finish level on points, wins, goal difference, goals scored, it goes to head to head. Both games are two all. So in the head to head, I believe it then goes to away goals in the head to head. Well, that's level. So then ultimately, you, you've got to have a playoff on neutral ground between the two teams to settle. And it, it could yet happen with Arsenal and Spurs to, to, for the Champions League place in, in theory. But ultimately, these kind of things have never happened before. And it's probably because it's so unlikely that it would happen. But could you imagine on the Wednesday before the Champions League final in, in Paris, we're all off to, I don't know, Wembley again or, or Old Trafford to watch Liverpool play 
Man City for a league, a league title. I mean, it's you know, not going to happen. A bit, is of a, it? a bit of a, a bit of a bonkers season, but that that really would be uh, taking the biscuit. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's talk about the FA Cup final. So, Chris, we'll, sit, we'll start with yourself. Um, another trip back to Wembley. It's becoming a little bit like a second home, isn't it, th- this season? There's the memories for Chelsea of the League Cup final. What influence does it have on the FA Cup final? Well, firstly, if it goes to penalties, I can't see Kepa coming on to uh, to do the shootout for Chelsea. I, I think it'd be once bitten, twice shy on that sense. Chelsea were a better team back then, in, in late February, than, than they are now. That said... You shouldn't write them off. I think it would be be dangerous to think. Well, Liverpool have pulled away from from them in the league. We are the better team of the two. If you know, you look at you look at how both teams have progressed in in different competitions. But ultimately, Chelsea have reached both domestic cup finals, like Liverpool did. They got to the quarter final of the of the Champions League and were only knocked out by the team of Liverpool are going to play in Paris. And ultimately, they they were probably unsettled in the in their league pursuit by by events with the with the ownership. So they've still got the you know a top manager, let's be honest. He's a Champions League winning manager and he did that pretty quickly when he, he walked through the door at Stamford Bridge. And they they've still got top players. I think it's going to be be difficult and you know you you look at the three games we've played against them this season. All three have ended in in draws. So you've got to read something into that. The game at Anfield, obviously they had ten men for quite a long Time and Liverpool maybe didn't take advantage of that in the, in the way that they could. Some for that may well haunt us a little bit when when you look at the league table. The game at Stamford Bridge, we went two 0 up and didn't win. People forget though that Allison didn't play in that game. He, he was missing with COVID, if, if I remember right. And so was the manager. Jorgen wasn't even at, at Stamford Bridge, so there were some weird mitigating factors in that one. And then at Wembley, they had about forty-seven goals this allowed for for offside. It felt it felt like every time they went forward, they managed to find a way past Kevin Keller, and then the flag went up, and then VR had a look, and it and it, it wasn't a goal. So. I think it's it's still a tricky game, and I don't think anybody should be getting overconfident. That said, if Liverpool play like they did in the first half against Man City at Wembley in the FA Cup semi final, they would be anybody. They were superb in that in that first half. You know, arguably one of Sadio Mane's best performances for Liverpool. But the way Thiago ran the show as well. I mean, you know, let's not forget he he, he missed the the Carabao Cup final because he got injured in the warm up. So he will fancy playing in that and fancy making a point and with with the sort of spaces at Wembley and, and the way you can control a game if he's allowed to and with the options Liverpool have up front I fully expect it to be Salah, Diaz and Mane playing. Liverpool caused Chelsea a lot of problems and the I would say we're favourites but I'm somebody who kind of looks at trends and, and stats and it would not surprise me at all 
we're all still sat there in extra time and hoping there's a winner before another shootout. You could well be right. Big stage for Thiago, as you say. Didn't play Kiva in the in the League Cup final, but a massive miss with Fabinho not being there. Yeah, Fabinho looking like he'll miss the the FA Cup final now and maybe the you know the rest of the the Premier League games, which is a you know big blow for Liverpool. I think to have him there, you, know, you need him fit for that Champions League final against Real Madrid. You feel just to be that you know defensive midfielder really and and stopping any sort of attacks we know you know Madrid's midfield is an aging one but an absolutely brilliant one at that so you know I think that's a worry for another day just sad that obviously Fabinho probably won't be playing in the FA Cup final now which is a shame obviously I think Jordan Henderson will probably maybe drop in there and Thiago Naby Keita perhaps you know the the pitch at Wembley always looks bigger doesn't it I don't care what you say it looks the biggest pitch in the world and to not have Fabinho in the middle stopping Chelsea running a at Liverpool's defence will, I think, you know, be a real miss. So that's, you know, not great. I think the other little stats, you know, Chris mentioned in little stats there is Chelsea have lost the last two FA Cup finals, which, you know, might worry it a little bit if they, you know, they really, really want. Or maybe they do just lose three in a row and, you know, Liverpool of march off to, to Paris with a, an FA Cup in the bag. But yeah, so I think it's going to be an interesting watch. I watched a little bit of Chelsea's game against Leeds last night and Romelu Lukaku just looks back in, in the form that we all thought he was going to be in throughout the season. He, he looks, you know, like he's going to gonna turn up at Wembley. So Liverpool will have to, you know, make sure they, they don't let him do that. And I think, you know, the form Van Dijk and Joel Matter played brilliantly the other night as well. The form Van Dijk's been in this season, you know, you would imagine he'd be able to keep Lukaku quiet as he, he did at Anfield and obviously we, we'd we imagine that it's going to be just another mad game against Chelsea because Liverpool just tend to have mad games against Chelsea obviously Chris mentioned the one at Stamford Bridge which you know that first 45 minutes I'm still like out of breath you know months on uh, so if it's anything like that, I think, you know, we'll be in for the treat and the neutral will definitely be in for the treat. But I think, you know, you'd hope that Liverpool just approach this final and take the confidence from their performance against Man City because I felt like they didn't take that energy into the League Cup final as much. You know, if they can produce a performance that they did in the semi-final, then they'll be absolutely fine and you know these players are so hungry to win trophies and there's another chance to win one and you know you don't know what's going to happen in Paris you don't know now you know what's going to happen in the league and you know Liverpool have to get this one you know under the belt they have to win it just to know that they've got two trophies for the season no matter what not the two trophies that they want obviously but two trophies nonetheless and you know fans will have another great day out and already camped in London myself and hearing the weather's going to be nice so you know we'll all be happy on Wembley way obviously the ticket allocation isn't great for the final we know that which is grim you know it drops down loads to the semi-final a lot more Liverpool fans able to get in there same with Paris you know I think they'll they'll find a way won't they and you know it's going to be just yeah another great day out for this season which you know has took fans on an incredible journey Liverpool playing every game and you know there'll be fans there that have been at every game which is just remarkable really when you think about it. It's addictive this winning thing isn't it Chris? You know for the players and for the fans the fans have had two almighty atmospheres at Wembley already I would, I would expect there'll be another one for this final. Everyone's desperate to hear a bit of Dua Lipa at the end <laughs> and have them, yeah, have I mean, them doing think, a dancing. 
<laughs> I'd just have Julie put in the crowd to, and wheel her on at full time at Liverpool and let her just do a bit of a bit of a live gig just so we we can all all celebrate. Um, you mentioned the wins there, and you know Liverpool have won more games this season than in any other in our history, and we've also scored more goals in this season than any other in in our history. And irrespective of what trophies follow, and obviously we, we all want to try and win at least two of the the three still available. It's been an amazing season and an amazing journey on the season if you follow Liverpool in that. You know, normally it's a bit of a roller coaster, but we've, there's not been that many downs along the way and it's only the fact that we might get pipped to the, the league title at the moment that's putting everybody on a, li- a little bit of a downer. But when you step back from that and think, hang on, we've won the Carabao Cup, we're in the FA Cup final, we're in the Champions League final and we could still win the Premier League. We need some help, but we could still win the Premier League. And what what date are we on? You know, we're in almost mid May. I mean, we, we've never we've never been able to have this conversation before, and it's a, it's an amazing thing that Liverpool have have put themselves in this position. And, and also something that has been completely overlooked is how many years was it all about? We need to get in the top four. We need to get in the Champions League. How, how many people even know when Liverpool actually qualified for the Champions League for next season? At what point that happened? It, it you know the days when when Liverpool were a club were. Almost finishing in the finishing fourth was the be all, and we need to do this for for the future of the club. Now it's almost taken for granted that Liverpool are, are going to be in next season's Champions League, and people are already mentioning the finals in Istanbul again. When in the past, and even last season, it was you know it wasn't guaranteed that Liverpool were going to be be playing in in the Champions League. So I think you've got to enjoy these times when when they come along. We all know that. Football isn't like this forever. You, things go in cycles, and it's often linked to ownership or management or certain players you've you've got at the club. The one constant is always the supporters, and and for those supporters who who you know lived through the Sunes era, the the Hodgson era, who lived through all the issues we had with the ownership with Hicks and Gillette, who lived through last season when nobody could go inside the stadium, and you know we lost six games in a row at Anfield, and everybody felt powerless to help that team try and get out out of that slump. To then have a season like this on the back of it, you've got to enjoy every single minute and enjoy Wembley, enjoy the sunshine. If you're going to Paris, enjoy it. If you can't get a ticket, go out with your mates, see with your family, watch it on the telly at home, go to the pub. Just really make the most of, of this month of May because a month like this may never come along again in, in Liverpool's history or the history of any other club and we're privileged to be Liverpool supporters at this time. And do you know what? Knowing Chris, I can tell you how excited he is. I can see him on the screen. He's excited about the month of May. Uh, that's been a brilliant half hour. I just want to give a, a shout out to a piece that Kiva's written as well about 18-year-old right-back Calvin Ramsey, currently Aberdeen. Uh, Jurgen Klopp very keen on the idea of bringing him to Anfield. So you can read more on that on The Athletic uh, right now. There's loads of other stuff. That piece on Alisson and his, his spreading technique. Uh, and of course, Sadio Mane as well. And as Chris said, there's a special interview with Mo Salah in... What is it next week? Just remind me. Yeah, the next edition of the Liverpool FC magazine. might be in some. It's gone to print. It might be in some places on Friday, but generally it'll be next week. And you can also pick it up at Anfield at the, at the Wolves game with the double deal with the, uh, the Max Day programme. Well worth a little nosy. My thanks to Kiva and to Chris. Uh, thank you for listening to the Red Agenda. What a season to be doing the Red Agenda in. And we'll return after the FA Cup final.